Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be based out of here. Luke chapter 10. Tonight I want to talk to you about people that are hurting in your circle of influence. So Luke chapter 10 is we're going to be based out of, but we all have, we all have a circle of influence, okay? We all have people that God has strategically placed in our lives. It doesn't matter how young you are in this room or how old you are, it does not matter. Everybody in here, whether you go to school, whether you work in a job, there's, every one of us has a circle of influence that's around us. There's family there's friends, there's coworkers, there's classmates, different people that God has strategically placed around you. And these individuals, they've been placed around you for a reason. God has put them around you so that you have the ability to help mentor them or minister to them or disciple them, whatever they need, and you have the ability to help them. It doesn't mean you can do everything that they need, but you have the ability to help them in one way or another with your, your talents, your abilities, your resources. And tonight, this passage of scripture, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 29, it gives us a formula on how to help the people that are hurting around us. Look at verse 29. It says, but he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Such a sad verse. The priest should have helped. Same thing with verse 32, the Levite, he should have helped too. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. That's an encouraging verse, right? Because he actually did something. And it's an exciting thing. It's a guide for us. It says in verse 34, look what he did. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him. Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Tonight I want to give you three steps that every single person in here can do to, to help the people that are hurting around you. I'm, I'm here to represent the fatherless. I care about the fatherless families, single moms, grandparents, raising great kids. That's my calling on my life. But, but the Holy Spirit might lead you differently tonight to somebody else that's hurting in your life that you could be a light to. I want to encourage you to think about those people that God has put around you that you could help. And I want to give you three steps you can take to make sure that you can be involved and help them on their journey. We're going to have a word of prayer in just a second. I did forget to mention something, and I'm kind of losing my thunder on this. But anyways, I, I, we have a, if, if you want to be on our email list, and I know this like this guy's interrupting his message for this. If you want to do that, because we try to keep it contactless because of the uh, corona. If you, want to, if you want to use the clipboard in the, in the lobby, that's fine. We're, it's fine with us, but we know people like to be contactless. And so if you want to text to the number 66866, the word dad to that, we'd love for you to be on our email list where you can find out how you can be helped more. 
or how you can help others or how you can stay in touch with our ministry. So text the word dad to 66866, not 666. We're not that kind of ministry, okay? We're not that kind of ministry. 66866, text the word dad to that number and then we can definitely be able to stay in touch with you. Let us know if we can do anything for you today. We'd love to talk to you more. But back to the message. That was just a little commercial. Commercial break, right? We have this on TV, but it was a little commercial break. Um, just, but, I, but I want to encourage you three ways that you can reach fatherless families or the hurting people around you. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll dive into this. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for allowing us to come here tonight, Lord. I pray that you'd speak to me tonight. I pray it'd be from you and not from me. Rid me of myself, Lord. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts tonight about the people that you've placed in all of our circles of influence that you could use some hope, that could use some help, that could use some encouragement. And I pray we as Christians would be able to stand up and do something for them and be like the Samaritan. God, please speak to our hearts now. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Tonight I want to give you three steps. Like I said, the first step to help people that are hurting around you, the first thing is reject apathy. Reject apathy. I was in eighth grade, and my eighth grade teacher said, Sean, I need to talk to you. I was one of those kids who was always getting in trouble in school. You probably can't tell now, but I used to get in trouble a lot in school. My mom, actually in kindergarten, my mom signed a paper to that you could paddle my, you could paddle my son in school. Can you believe that, guys? We can't even allowed to do that in home now, let alone in school. You know what I mean? But my mom had him sign a paper, beat my kid. I'm just kidding. Paddle my kid, okay? Paddle my kid. And this, this kindergarten teacher, she had this paddle. It was this long. And had holes drilled in this paddle. And every time I did something wrong, she would take me down to her office and she would say, grab the desk. It was, it hurt. Okay, I'm just going to be honest with you. It hurt. It hurt really bad. And I used to get in trouble all the time. Kindergarten. And then my second year of kindergarten. You heard that right. You heard that right. Second year of kindergarten. I went early. Okay. That was the reason. No, come on, man. I went early. I went early. And uh, so I got two years of figuring out how to tie my shoe. I finally got it right at the end of the second year. And so I was able to tie my shoe. I I got, got through that first grade. Pat, my mom signed the paper again. I'm like, Mom, are you serious? You're going to sign this paper again? And she's like, well, I'd rather them do it than me. I'm just kidding. She didn't say that, but it was just one of those things. I had to uh, um, get in trouble in school. Well, I, yeah, I worked through school, and I, and I, I, I tried somewhat. I, tried, I did, did what I could. You should. You should do, your, do good in school. You should do your best. But by eighth grade, this teacher, he said, Sean, I need to talk to you. He said, you have been apathetic. And I looked at him, and he was talking about eighth grade science. And I said, I've never heard that word in my life. I really hadn't. I, who knows what apathy is? Raise your hand if you know that. I never heard that until eighth grade. I never heard that word in my life. He said that means you don't care, and you don't care that you don't care. And that's sin. That's what he told me. He's talking about eighth grade science. I'm like, I don't care about eighth grade science. I really didn't. I'm being honest with you. If you're in eighth grade, you should care. Be like my wife, the 4.0 student. She was amazing in school. Me, not so much, okay? So I I struggled in school, and I I wish I would have done better and did my best. And you should do your best, but I didn't at that time. I wish I would have. It would have been easier. Maybe I would have got some scholarships to college and stuff like that. It would have made life, life a little easier for me. But I didn't do my best, and I had this teacher telling me, you have been apathetic. I learned that day what apathy meant. And I carried that with me because I, I, I really have seen areas in my life as I've grown older where I've been apathetic. And, I, and I've kind of thought through, I'm like, man, I'm being apathetic about this issue that I should care about. And maybe that's you. Maybe there's, there's people in your life where you have been apathetic about individuals that God's placed in front of you to help them. Like in verse 31, and by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. This priest was apathetic. 
Okay, he decided, I'm not going to reject apathy. I'm going to let it control my life. Verse 32, and likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. This Levite was apathetic. This guy had been robbed, wounded, abandoned, and left to die right in front of them. And they're like, oh, that's too bad. I'm going to keep walking. Can you imagine if out by the road here, there's somebody was on the way into church, somebody was laying on the side of the road half dead, robbed, wounded, abandoned. You would just drove into church You're like, well, I got to get to church. Hopefully somebody will take care of that. You know what I mean? Somebody come and take care of that. You know, at least, hopefully you would at least call 911, right? Hopefully you would do something about that. Hopefully we would do something. But Jesus is showing us in the story here that these guys didn't care enough to even take any effort at all to do something. But then in verse 33, we're so encouraged by this because the Samaritan man, he did something. He said, but it says in verse 33, but a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. The Samaritan man said, he said, no. He said, I'm not going to be apathetic. I'm going to care about this person in front of me. I want to ask you, will you reject apathy about the people around you that have been hurting, that have been robbed of hope, that have been wounded, abandoned? And you, as a Christian, if you're a Christian, you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior, you have the ability to help people that are around you that could use some hope and encouragement. You have the ability to, to, to shine a light into their life. Will you do it? You know, you saw in the video, I grew up fatherless, and that was a struggle. I'm just being honest with you. It was a struggle growing up without a dad, and we grew up pretty low income, and it was, a, it was a struggle I had. But you know what? God brought me through it. If you're in here tonight, and you're growing up without a father in your house, or you're growing up without your mother, or you're growing up without your mom or dad, I want to encourage you, okay? Understand this, that you can overcome it. I'm here to testify tonight that God brought me through it. I lived without my, my dad. My mom moved into another house later. I lived without my mom. I lived with my grandparents for a long time. You can overcome it too. I'm telling you, it was all by the grace of God that I'm here tonight standing in front of you tonight. There's, I should not have made it through. But because of God, and, I, and, and even God just making me cling to him, I made it through. And you can do the same thing. doesn't matter how young you are. You can do the same thing. If you're in here tonight, you, you're like, man, you don't know how hard my home life is. I'm sure it's hard. I'm sure it was worse than mine. And I, and, I, and I hope that you can just focus your eyes on God and realize there is hope in the situation you're facing. Maybe you're a single mom. Understand, single mom, that you can overcome this. I want to encourage you, though, as a single mom or a grandparent raising your grandkids or a foster parent or a single dad tonight, I want to encourage you tonight to fill your home with God. Push the junk out of your home that maybe shouldn't be there, the garbage that's going to bring your kids down. You know, get rid of that stuff out of your home and fill your home with God, with godly music, godly entertainment, godly talk. Fill your home with devotions, with scripture. Fill your home with, with prayer. My mom was not perfect, but she tried to fill our lives with Christian things. She made me go to the Christian school. I went, My goal in life was to be, become a football player, go to Penn State and play football because I grew up close to there. That's what I wanted to do. My mom said, no, you're going to the Christian school. I didn't want to, okay? But then I ended up falling in love with this girl at the Christian school and I got married to her. So I'm glad I did, okay? So it ends up being a good thing. But even if, if maybe you can't send your kids to Christian school, that's fine. Do what you can to surround your kids with Christianity. Have them in church all the time. Have them, but even in your home, you as a, as a single mom, as a grandparent raising grandkids, as a single dad, a foster parent, whatever your situation you're in, you be the leader in their life. Be the number one leader and you get your life on track and then you encourage them and help push them down the right path of life because you're the one that's going to help them succeed. You're sure to let other people help you, but you make sure that you're leading them to Jesus. 
that you're guiding them on the right path. Help them because you're, some of the, the kids that you have, the kids that you're raising, the kids that are in your life, they may be struggling with, with these issues that they're facing without having a mom or a dad around them. And you could be the good Samaritan in their life. Now, this issue of fatherlessness, you saw the statistic that was on the, the video. It said that uh, fatherless individuals, and this is from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, fatherless children are at a dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse, mental illness, suicide, poor educational performance, teen pregnancy, and criminality. That's a lot of heavy stuff, right? And I have a lot of other statistics, but I'm not going to share them tonight. And if you want to hear some more, you can check out our website, lifefactors.org. There's all kinds of statistics on there. What I want you to understand is this issue is affecting every single person in the United States of America. You know, if they don't do good in school, if they drop out of school, they don't get a good job, they're gonna, it's going to affect your tax dollars, okay? If they're, if they're committing crime in your communities, and, and there's a lot of statistics out there about crime, it's going to affect your neighborhoods and affect your communities. You know, issues such as teen pregnancy and criminality, and you know, we've seen all these different things going on. If you, you're like, man, I hate abortion. You should as a Christian. Because the killing of an innocent baby, if you hate abortion, I want to encourage you to love a girl and encourage a girl before she even has to make that decision. Mentor her before she even gets out of that relationship with that young boy. Boys, they're looking for men to teach them how to be a man. Girls are looking for a man to teach them security or give them security that they need. Girls are their dad's little princess. Girls are loved by their dad. When their dad's not there, they don't have that dad to, to love them and encourage them. You as a Christian couple in this church, you can help guide them on that path. Make sure it's a healthy situation that you're in where it's a man and a woman with helping a young girl out. Make sure you do it in the right way, but you can do it in the proper way and you can help these, these kids out and put them on a path to success. You know, there's, there's a, um, a study that says 85% of youth in prisons grew up in fatherless homes. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big issue, right? Because a lot of these fatherless individuals, they go down this path of they find a group of friends. Sometimes we call it a gang, but sometimes it's just a group of friends. And they end up going down this path of, of committing crime and they get involved in these different things. When if they would have had a Christian mentor come into their life to help them respect themselves, respect people, respect their, their, the society, they, they may not have committed that crime. I want to encourage you tonight you, to get involved in these kids' lives. And do what you can to help them and put them on a path of success. Now, maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, Sean, it is the Thursday night service. I came here to be encouraged for my, my week, get my, you know, help me out a little bit. And now I'm stressed and depressed. Thanks a lot. Maybe that's what you're thinking tonight. That's not why I'm here to make you feel stressed and depressed. Okay, I'm here to encourage you and help you know that there's hope in Jesus Christ. But we as Christians need to step up to the plate and say, you know what? I'm not going to be apathetic anymore. We also, the second thing is you got to remit compassion. Let compassion flow through your life out to this hurting world. You look at the Samaritan man did, verse 33 again. It says he had compassion on him. He had compassion on him. Who's the ultimate picture of compassion in the Bible? Who is it? Jesus Christ, right? The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Isn't that an amazing thing? That Jesus had joy to, to die on the cross for you and for me. And I love that because he had joy to die for us. It's like, wow, he really had joy to do that? I know as a human being, I don't know that I would have joy to do that, okay? But he's Jesus. He's God. And he had joy to die on the cross for you and for me. The Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved you so much that he sent his Son to die for you. Isn't that an amazing thing? 
That's compassion, isn't it? That's true compassion. I want to ask you tonight, if you're in here tonight and you've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, what are you waiting for? Have you ever made the decision to follow Jesus? Maybe you're thinking, what does that mean? What does it mean to trust in Jesus as, as my Savior? What are, you, what are you talking about? You know, you got to realize, first, you got to realize you're a sinner. For all have sinned to come short of the glory of God, the Bible says. Have you ever trusted in Jesus as your Savior? Have you ever realized you're a sinner? You're like, what's sin? It's the bad things you've done. You've lied, you've stolen, you've cheated, you've you disrespected your parents, you've been rude to somebody. That's sin. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Bible says that your sin is going to separate you from God, and it's going to send you to hell when you die. It's a sad thing. It's a, it's a, it's a scary thing, really. The Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you to cover your sin. Isn't that amazing? So you've got to realize you're a sinner. Okay, I've sinned. I've done things wrong. Understand that your sin's going to separate you from God and send you to hell when you die. Believe that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again and he covered your sin. He took care of the whole thing for you. And all you have to do is call upon him to save you and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you ever made that decision before? If you haven't, will you make it tonight? I was volunteering at a church in Pennsylvania years ago, a long time ago, and this youth leader, he, he was actually the youth director for, for a while, and, and, uh, or he was the youth volunteer. He was just kind of taking, running the youth group, just volunteering. He grew up in the church, and we came, moved there, and they wanted us to take the youth group over. And so I asked this guy, I said, hey, would you share your testimony with the teenagers? It was a rookie mistake, okay? I was fresh out of college, rookie mistake. And he looked at me, he looked at them, and he said, well, I just have always gone to church. He said, I just have always gone to, you know, I've always just been, been involved in this church. You got to understand that these church walls cannot save you, okay? These walls, see these walls right here? These walls cannot save you. These church walls cannot save you. It's by Jesus Christ, by hope in Jesus Christ. That's what can save you from the struggles that you have, from going to hell when you die, from, from not having hope on this earth. That is what's going to save you by having faith and trust. You're putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I want to ask you tonight, if you're in here tonight, you've never, you, you have been saved, how's it going? How's it going tonight? You know, we can get stagnant in our faith, can't we? Have you ever been stagnant in your faith? Where you've kind of gotten like, oh, I'm saved, that's good. Who in here has ever heard of Spider-Man before? Raise your hand if you've heard of Spider-Man. Raise your hand if you've heard of Spider-Man, okay? Come on, everybody's hand should be raised. We've all heard, of, he's an American icon, right? Spider-Man, okay? Okay, Spider-Man got bit by what? Okay, a spider. Spider-Man got bit by a spider, right? Now, maybe you're like one of those people that's like, what's a radioactive spider? Well, I'm not going to get into all that detail, okay? Okay, we're not going to get into all that. Okay, so Spider-Man got bit by a spider, then he's able to shoot what? Because he's a spider. Webs, I like that. I like to she, she, put it up there. Everybody, everybody see it, okay? She's got the, the whole, okay, awesome. Okay, so Spider-Man got bit by a spider. He's able to shoot webs. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, well, not technically. Well, you know, according to the, the, the things I've seen, I, I'm not really into this that much, and he's able to shoot webs. I don't know, but maybe you can argue with somebody else about it, but he's able to shoot webs. So picture this, Spider-Man goes home. He's able to shoot webs. He sits down in his living room, and he's relaxing, and he's like, you know what? This is great. I have these powers. I'm going to watch a movie. And he's, he turns Batman on. He's just watching Batman, just relaxing, watching Batman. And you know what he said? He said, you know, I'm thirsty. And he gets thirsty and he's like, 
I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, get a soda. I really could use a soda right now. And so he shoots a web into the kitchen, opens up the refrigerator, shoots another web and pulls out a soda. He's like, this is awesome. He's like, I never have to stand up again the rest of my life. This is great. And then he gets bored with the Batman movie because he thinks to himself, you know what? I'm so much better than Batman. I am Spider-Man. So much better. That's what he thinks. I mean, it's a, it doesn't matter what you, what you think about it because it's Spider-Man. He thinks this about Batman himself because he is Spider-Man. And he thinks I'm better than him. And maybe you think, well, that's not true. Well, that's your opinion. This is his opinion. I don't know. I, I'm making this up as I go. But anyways, and so Spider-Man thinks that he uh, is, uh, you know, he thinks he's amazing. And he, so he goes out to his backyard. And he's like, I've never been able to dunk a basketball before. But things have changed, right? Things have changed for Spider-Man. So Spider-Man, he shoots a web up to the backboard, pulls himself up, and he dunks the ball. What a horrible Spider-Man movie that would be, right? Are you with me? I mean, seriously, Spider-Man's supposed to be out fighting crime. He's supposed to be out helping people and saving people. Instead, he's keeping it to himself. That's terrible, right? That's the same thing with us as Christians. We trust in Jesus as our Savior. We get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? So the Bible tells us. We get filled with the Holy Spirit, and then we're like, good. We go home, and we kind of put it on a shelf, and we say, good. I'm a Christian now. I don't have to go to hell when I die. And that's what we do. Instead of what we're supposed to do is going and making disciples, going and telling other people about Jesus. Going and shining a light by the way we live into this, this hurting and lost and dying world. That's our job. I want to ask you, are you doing your job? Don't be like a bad Spider-Man, okay? Go out and help people and help lead people to get saved. Help them on their journey. Encourage them that they can overcome whatever they're dealing with. Now, maybe you're still thinking to yourself, well, Sean, why should I care about the fatherless? Well, why, why should I care about them? Why should I get involved in their life? Well, I want to encourage you to listen to these verses real quick. Exodus twenty two twenty two says, Ye should not afflict any widow or fatherless child. It says in Job 29, 12, Job 29, 12, Because I delivered the poor that cried, and the fatherless, and him that had none to help him. Psalm 68, 5, I love this verse. It says, A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God and his holy habitation. In God's holy habitation, he's a father to the fatherless. Do you think he cares about them? Do you think we should care about them? Psalm 146.9 says, it says, the Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless. Do you think he cares about the fatherless? How are they going to find relief, though, if we don't go and tell them about him? If we don't lead them to him? It's our job. It's what we're supposed to do. James 1.27 says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep themselves unspotted from the world. It's pure religious practice. As Christians, we've gotten wrapped up in religious roles, haven't we? Things we've made up, man-made traditions, traditionalism. We put that ahead of pure religion. I battle that a lot as we travel, where I have to face a lot of traditionalism. But I'm saying, you know what? It's more important to focus on the pure religion. I want to encourage you to focus on the pure religion. Pure religion says here, you're not undefiled. You're not doing it for the wrong reasons. You're not doing it to hurt a kid. You're not doing it to promote yourself. You're not doing it for the wrong reasons at all. You're doing it for God. And it says, it says in, in front of God and the Father, right? You're doing it in front of God and the Father. Pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father. You're trying to do it in front of God. God wants you to do this. It's a pure religious practice in front of him, okay? He sees it. And it says to visit. This is the answer to the entire number one social issue in our country, to visit. 
To visit, if you look it up, it means to, it means, uh, to help. Um, I'm sorry, let me, I forget what it says. It, says. it means to look upon in order to help or to benefit. You're looking upon their life. This is not a one-time thing. This is an ongoing thing. An ongoing relationship that you're having with this family to encourage them on their journey. I'm not here tonight to ask you to go and save all of the millions of fatherless children that are out in our world. I'm asking you, will you think about one kid? Will you help one single mom? Will you help one grandparent raising grandkids? Will you help one single dad or motherless child? Will you help encourage one foster family? If we as Christians would all do something to help one, imagine the difference we could make. And the Bible says it's pure religion. It's a pure religious practice to help these families out. Now understand, in this verse it says fatherless. That can be translated motherless, fatherless, or both. It's somebody lacking one of their guides that they should have in their life. But then the next part, it says, and widows. A lot of women, a lot of churches, we, we help widows. And we should. You should focus on helping the widows. That should be a ministry you have. But understand what that root of that word widows is talking about. It's talking about a woman who's lost a husband due to death or abandonment. A lot of times my mom felt like a black sheep in our church when we were growing up. Because she was a single mom. A divorced single mom. My dad left Pennsylvania, went back to Las Vegas, Nevada, never came back. He filed for divorce because in Nevada, you can divorce somebody without their consent. He, he, he's the one who made that decision, but she was still labeled as this divorced single mom. She kind of felt, and you always felt like a black sheep. I want to encourage you, don't make the single moms around you, regardless of their, even their past or their situation, don't make them feel like a black sheep. Your job is to be an encouragement and love to them as a Christian. Help them on their journey. Now, this is compassion. This right here is true compassion. This is a pure religious practice. Will you have compassion in your life and let it flow from there? But you can't just stop there and say, oh, I'm not traveling around the country for you to say, oh, these poor little fatherless kids, right? I'm not really, I'm not doing that. That's, that would be a pointless thing for me to go around and for you to say, oh, okay, yeah, I'll reject apathy. Oh, okay. These poor little fatherless kids, what's for supper? You know what I mean? That's, that's, not, that's not why we're doing this ministry. Did you ever see that commercial on TV where the dogs are crying? Did you ever see that commercial? And the lady sings, in the eyes of an angel, fly away. Did you ever hear that? I'll stop singing. I'll stop singing. Raise your hand if you've seen that commercial. You turn the commercial real fast. You're like, I don't want to see these dogs crying. They're malnourished. This is sad, but I'm not paying money for it. Okay, I turn the channel real fast, right? Are you with me? Who's ever seen it? Raise your hand. You see that commercial before? And then we, we get, we're like, man, this commercial's sad. It's, it's like, wow, this is just, it makes me really feel bad, but somebody else will fund that, right? Somebody else will take care of it. That's not what I'm talking about tonight. I'm not here to represent dogs or animals that are malnourished. Now, maybe somebody can help them. I don't know, but that's not my job in my life. It's not my calling, Okay. I'm talking about the fatherless, human beings, these kids that need help, they need some encouragement, they need these single moms, these grandparents. I'm here as, as an ambassador for them, as a representative for them, to say, here, hey, would you do something to help them out? Will you encourage them? You know, if you came tonight, you hear these statistics, you hear these, um, these, these scriptures about the fatherless, and then you just kind of left here. You'd be like one of those movies you watch. You ever watch one of those movies that just ends? Do you ever see a movie that just ends where you're, you're in this, there's this fight scene happening, and they're, they're in a battle, there's this, all this stuff going on, and all of a sudden the credits roll? Do you ever watch a movie like that? And you're thinking to yourself, are you serious right now? 
Who directed this movie? Where's the rest of the ending at? You think to yourself, well, it should have ended this way. And every time you see that movie on replay, you're thinking, it should have ended this way. Maybe it's about a couple that's falling in love, right? You see one of those movies, and, and by the end of the movie, you're thinking, they're going to get married, you know? Here we go, two hours long. They're hating each other. They're, they're falling in love finally. And at the end of the movie, they're, they're, they're kind of boyfriend or girlfriend. Are you serious right now? Does anybody else get frustrated by these movies? Raise your hand if you hate movies like that. Raise your hand. Drives me crazy. Drives me crazy. Complete opposite from every Hallmark movie ever made, okay? <laughs> ever seen a Hallmark movie? A guy or a girl goes to a small town, right? They go to a small town, and they, they, and they uh, have that big city boyfriend or girlfriend, don't they? And they have that big city boyfriend or girlfriend. They go to this small town, and then they see that country boy or that country girl. And they're like, I don't like you. They don't like them at first, right? And then they have a job to do. They have to save a cafe or save a factory, don't they? Every single one. By the end of the movie, they dump that big city boyfriend or girlfriend. They fall in love with that country boy or country girl, don't they? They're like, hey, I hated you, but I like you now, right? That's what they think. Every single Hallmark movie, every single one. But at the end of the movie, they save that cafe or they save that factory. Every single Hallmark movie ever made. You ever seen a Hallmark movie? Who likes Hallmark movies? Raise your hand. Be honest. Come on. I was at a church one time, and I said that I said I talked about that, and I was out this, out um, eating eating with the uh, pastor's family afterwards, and the lady in the church texted the pastor's wife, and she said, "Can you believe that guy? Talk, can you believe that guy talking about Hallmark movies?" And she was pretty upset about it. Please don't do that. Hannah doesn't want to hear about your your you be mad about you right. You don't hear about that right. She doesn't care. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. It was pretty funny, though, that they t- she texted the pastor's wife. She's like, can you believe that guy talking about my Hallmark movies? I'm just kidding about Hallmark movies. My wife loves Hallmark movies. I'm trying to. I'm trying. I really am. She says I'm not, but I am trying. I'm trying to fall in love with Hallmark movies. I've tried. I, well, I'm not really trying. I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't lie. I apologize. But, I, you know, it's, it's, I hate Hallmark movies. Okay, I'm just going to be honest. But anyways, I say about Hallmark movies because they're, they're predictable. You know what's going to happen right from the beginning. You know who's going to fall in love, what's going to happen here. I'm talking about the unpredictable, okay? The movies that just end. And if you're, you come here tonight, you hear the statistics, you hear the scriptures, and you're like, you, you're, the Holy Spirit's leading you to somebody to help, and you just walk out of these doors and you think, oh, somebody else will take care of that. You'll be like one of those movies that you don't like, okay? I want to encourage you to not just reject apathy, not just make compassion, like compassion, you know, saying, oh, that's too bad. Oh, I feel bad. Oh, these poor little fatherless kids. No, I want to encourage you to do something. Do something for them. Third thing is react with a plan. React with a plan. Go and do something. Look at this, this passage here. I'm so glad this passage continues on. Imagine if it just ended at verse 33 where it says, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Imagine if it just ended there. We'd be like, well, what did he do? Did he do anything? I'm thankful it continues on. Verse 34, it says, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Look what he did here. It says the first four words of that verse, it says, he, and he went to him. Right there, it tells us that he did it right away. They say if you don't do something within the first 48 hours of caring about an issue, then you probably won't do anything. So between now and Saturday, at this time, do something about this issue. Make a prayer list. Okay, make a list of people that you, you know that you can help. Start reaching out to people. Start messaging them. Start calling them. If maybe you think, I can't think of anybody that can help. Well, start praying about it. Do what you can. Whatever you can do, do something within the next 48 hours. Start caring about this issue. Look what he says here in verse 34 again. It says, and he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. He used his own resources that he had to help this guy heal. It's the same thing that you can do. Use your resources that you have to help the people around you. 
Okay, the next thing is, it says, and he, and he set him on his own beast he, and brought him to an end. He gave him lodging and he even gave him transportation to where he needed to go. Use the resources you help, have to help them on their journey. And he and t- took care of him, it says in verse 34. In verse 35, and on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. He even took care of him when he was gonna be gone. Do what you can. Use your resources to, that you have. You don't have to form, you can do this, but you don't have to form a committee for six months and, and talk about it and chew it over and think about it and say, hey, maybe we can do something. And then by the end of six months, you don't do anything, okay? I want to encourage you to do something right away. Maybe you do need to form a group and say, hey, okay, well, should we start a ministry? Should we start a mentoring program? We, it doesn't have to be that way. We're talking about an organic approach. You reaching the ones around you and bringing them into this church and getting them plugged in and discipling them. But maybe you, you want to start a program. Some people want to do that. It could be either way, but do what you can, but don't wait. React with a plan right away. It doesn't have to be an expensive plan or a time-consuming plan or an energy-draining plan or some extravagant plan. Just make a plan, just like this guy did. He looked at the situation. He said, okay, what can I do? Let's go. Let's roll. Because some of these kids, they can't wait. You need to reach out right away before they end up becoming a statistic. You know what I mean? Before the the single mom ends up making them in the statistic. Okay? Reach into their life and help them on their journey. I'm so thankful that I had people that came into my life, you saw in the video, that helped me. I would not be standing in front of you today if it wasn't for the people that stepped into my life. And I'm so thankful for them. It was through Jesus Christ. Obviously, it was through Jesus Christ in my life, but God used people to drive me to Jesus. And I'm so thankful that I had those people. Will you do the same? Will you help them as they face these different difficulties they have in their life? Maybe you're in here tonight and you need a mentor. You need somebody to help you on your journey. I want to encourage you to come to your pastor and help him help you find somebody that you can work with that can help you or find some leadership in the church you can talk to and and talk to them about who you can have in your life that can help you if you want to find a mentor or somebody to help you on your journey. Maybe you're thinking, I need somebody. Go and find find one of the leadership and talk to them and and get them to help you find somebody and put a a godly person in your life that will help you on your journey. You know, I had my grandparents, as I'm almost about, about to close here in a second, but I had my grandparents in my life and they... You know, they helped me. Second grade, or second grade, I moved in with them. They helped me on my journey. My grandfather died when I was in sixth grade then. And it was a struggle, man. I, I really was. It was a struggle. I was so close to my grandfather. I didn't even really think about being fatherless really that much because I had, a, had my grandfather as a dad. But then he died, and I was a mess. I have to tell you what, I was a mess. I struggled with not having, having that grandfather and not having a dad in my life. And it, it, was a, it was a big struggle that I faced, a big trial that I had. And... I was, you know, just living with my grandmother. It was a 60-some-year-old lady and a 12-year-old boy living in a house together. Got a little awkward sometimes, okay? I watched enough Young and the Restless and Bold and the Beautiful last me a lifetime, okay? I really did. I'm just kidding. But my grandma and I, we had a great time. She'd watch Michael Jordan and Chicago Bulls with me, and I'd, I'd watch her soap operas. I could tell you everything you wanted to know about Bold and the Beautiful. But anyways, I, we had a great time together, Grandma and I did. But I needed some men to come into my life to teach me about being a man. And so I had a youth pastor that came, came and helped me. And he, he even adopted five small children, but he still took time to care about my sister and I. I had a youth leader, voluntary guy in our church, youth leader named Rob and his wife named Lori. They had an open door policy at their house. I knew I could show up at their house at any time. And I knew it was a safe place. And I knew that they always had an unlimited supply of Mountain Dew, Doritos, and double stuffed Oreos, okay? <laughs> that right there is a meal, isn't it? 
Can I get an amen on that? It's a meal, right? Mountain Dew Doritos and Double Stuffed Doritos. Who could go for some right now? Raise your hand. I could go for some Mountain Dew Doritos and Double Stuffed Doritos. Okay, that was what, it was a great place. But I got to see Rob and Lori as a married couple, a Christian married couple. I got to see them as, as Christian people in my life, Christian parents. Another, another guy named Brian took me hunting with him. He's one of the guys from our church. Took me hunting. He wasn't on staff or anything, but he saw that he could say, I could take Sean hunting. He took me hunting with him. And whatever you, and the reason why I tell you all this, whatever you like to do, whatever you're good at, Will you invest it in somebody else? Will you bring them along with you? Will you try to, to take what you're, you know how to do and, and invest in somebody else so it doesn't die with you? Whether you're good at cooking, whether you're good at hunting, whether you're good at working on cars or working on computers or working on whatever it is you're good at, will you invest in somebody else? That will instill confidence in their life, but it will also show them if somebody cares about them. Do it for them. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.